2 Chronicles 25, 5. Moreover, Amaziah gathered together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. He numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. So if you just consider that for a moment, he had to find qualified men and just the base of their ability would be that they could handle a spear, a spear and a shield. Now, these are not profound skills, but these are who he had. Obviously, it wasn't comfortable to him. This was not a good number. It was not, it didn't satisfy him. So he saw something lacking. And we find out in verse 6. He hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor. You notice that verse 5 have no mighty men of valor attached to the 300,000. But he hired 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them to wit, the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. And Amaziah strengthened himself and led his, forth his people and went to the valley of salt and smote the children of Seir, 10,000 of them. Amen. And I preach today a table in the wilderness. Amen. And everybody say in Jesus' name, we pray that the Lord will add a blessing to his already anointed word. And for all those who are watching, the Lord is speaking to you today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I thank you for standing. And when you are seated, put your Bibles on your laps and just offer a praise to God one more time. Would you do that? Everybody. Come on, everybody. Out of your mouth. Just say it. You're a good God. Now, before I begin, I just want you to know the Lord spoke to me a small word in my heart. And when he spoke this to me, I was in my car and I started to weep. And my son Nico was with me and Nico said, Dad, what's wrong? And I said, the Lord just spoke to me. And he received that. I was glad. He didn't ask me what the Lord said, but I want you to know what the Lord impressed in my spirit. The Lord told me to tell the people. He said, tell the people. I'm able and I'm willing.
just for the consideration of a proper view, the nation of Israel has long since fractured in our text. Saul was the first king following after him was David. David's son Solomon became king. And Solomon thusly grew the land to immense proportions. But after him, the nation was severed, fractured. The division will remain and there will be many different kings of both the northern and southern areas or now kingdoms, north and south. To the north will be the land they will call Israel with its capital, the city of Samaria. The southern kingdom will take the name Judah which houses Jerusalem, its most prized city. The names of the successive kings are many. Most of them are forgettable in both north and south. The regions there will host a myriad of, of different leaders. Many of them will lead the people into idolatry, heathen types of worship, groves, High places, witchcraft, they'll set up idols of stone and wood, precious metal. In some cases, those kings will adopt the influences of heathenistic philosophies copied from their surroundings. All of these are happening, and yet the covenant that God made with Abraham is still in play. God, in his faithfulness, will offer good prophets and men to guide the kings, though many of them will ignore such spiritual direction. A few will lean forward to hear them. There is an underlying value often lost in that narrative. The script will show us. It's the moment of leaning forward, melding with the voice of the anointed. Few will seek it. In regard to the kings of this divided nation, we are given but a portion of their collective history. I can only surmise that what is being presented in the scripture is a critical lesson for us, worthy of the Holy Writ. Amaziah has gathered his army together. He is presented in the Bible as an organized leader. Captains are dispatched to their assignment, and some will lead a hundred and others a thousand. Amaziah has taken a head count of the number of his men, the tally required, the age of 20 years old, a limit, and then older. He has 300,000 men, but he does not believe that the number is enough to defeat the enemy. So he reaches beyond his southern monarch and enlists the help of 100,000 trained military men from his northern counterpart. Mighty men of valor. He spent the money, the silver, all of it. It has been sent ahead of the hire. It was a non-refundable remittance. No give back, repay, reimbursement expected. Just three and a half metric tons of silver sent. The payment made ahead of time and in good faith. The silver has landed in the hands of the northern army and they are ready to join Amaziah's usable men. It all looks good. It looks right, a decent plan for a well-meaning intent. Us against them, our side bolstered. 
to ensure the victory. Amaziah is on his way to the battlefield when a nameless prophet steps out of the shadows with a very disconcerting word. Think with me now. Amaziah is a temporary man. He is a nominal king, though he would never accept that premise. He's worth our consideration even today because he represents the modern view of so many Christians today. Amaziah is such a man who thinks of the moment without the proper view of his appointment. He is engrossed by what he can see, feel, hear, touch, taste. His senses rule his decisions like a prowling tiger led by the ringmaster's three-legged stool and a paltry whip. Amaziah does not hold to the word of God. He doesn't realize how powerful God is. He's not holding to God's word. He's only holding to the scepter that's in his hand. He has no idea what kind of power he could wield if he just moved outside of his own limited perspective. I hope you can hear this today. Amaziah is the king of Judah after all, but for some reason, even the most blessed people who have been given such commissions by the Lord still seek for answers beyond the one who set them up in the first place. I tell you today, God is able and he's willing. Your God is able and he's willing. (laughs) Amaziah will have no rebuttal against his generals. His leadership team, if they can be so called, will offer no resistance to the idea of hiring mercenaries out of their backslidden brothers from the north. Amaziah is calling on the assistance from the human hand. He wants to be sure. He's looking for security. Something he can see with his own eyes. He wants an army that will match the odds against the enemy. He relies upon his masterly plan to win the battle. All the while negating the fact that God is more than enough to win any battle. Take anybody, anyone, or anything and God. And he's more than enough to give the victory. Put any measurement on one side and then add God into that and it doesn't matter what you've added little or small it's enough to do anything and win any battle at any time over any odd yes in fact it could be said that if you add too much or if you think yourself sufficient then you will have essentially removed the need for God God however, has never been in need. Uh Uh-oh. God has never been in need. He doesn't need your skill. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need our professional prayer. He doesn't need your gifting. He gave it to you, but he don't need it. All he needs is somebody that will just present themselves and say, I'm here, Lord. I'm a willing man, Lord. I'm a willing lady, Lord. That's all he needs. It could even say that he could do it without you, but he prefers somebody step in. I was in Wisconsin years ago, and I was preaching, this was a long time ago, and a man on the second row had an oxygen tank, and he, he had a little tube, and he had a, uh, he had a little device, he was breathing, and, and, uh, and I was closing the service, and, and, and people were praying, and they stood, and I, and, and the man began to cough, and I, it was, it was, it was a little bit, uh, 
disrupting and and there was people praying and and then everyone sort of stopped and they were concerned about him and so i thought in my infinite wisdom that i would go down and heal him because we needed to have a move of god at the altar so of course you know i couldn't do that but i went down there anyway and i stood next to him as he sat there and i just put my hand on his shoulder and i said in jesus name and and just it was just a few seconds later he stopped coughing and Oh, everyone felt so relieved and they started to pray again and come to the altar. I didn't know what was happening. I just thought, this is good. Whatever I'm doing, I'm just going to keep doing it and standing here and praying for him. And, and he stopped coughing and they all started praying and coming to the altar. And I was so grateful. I don't know. Thank God. Thank you, Lord, for using me for your glory. Thank you for using me for glory. And I looked down and I realized that I was standing on top of his oxygen tube. There was a reason why he wasn't coughing anymore. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I moved away and the Lord resurrected him and they, he walked out of there, thank God, and no one was injured. Think he needs you? You need him. You're never waiting on him, he's waiting on you. He's waiting for you to get over yourself and stop thinking that you got it all together or you have to have a little bit more before God can do the work. He can do the work anytime. All you've got to do is present yourself. <laughs> the problem in whole is that Amaziah does not believe that God can do the thing through his outnumbered army. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the sad and likely commentary of many people that is the voice of the temporary person. All of their confidence resting on their own ability. He does not see, Amaziah does not see beyond his moment, so he will hire 100,000 men on a temporary basis. He does not intend to keep them on staff. He's a temporary leader. They will fight. They've come to fight. For both money and blood sport. But they are heathen men. Idol worshipping men. Who have corrupted themselves with a stain of Baal and the gods of earth. There are nothing more than hired hands there to bring peace of mind to the king of Judah. And when he rejects them, they go home angry. Great anger. Why are they angry? They're getting paid anyway. I'll tell you why. Because they have no purpose in life. And the king of Judah has hired to himself men with no purpose, no vision, no direction, and no worship. <laughs> it was all going so well. Amaziah had a great plan until the man of God stepped forward. I offer no reflection on myself this morning. Please forget who is speaking to you. Because God has anointed the fivefold ministry for his purpose. So put aside my personality or image and certainly my name. Because in the scripture, the prophet has no name. He is not identified. The matter has been interrupted by the prophet. Amaziah has already paid the price for the addition that the freelance army would charge. To which God decided to intervene. Here is our seven word interruption. And I hope this happens in our lives individually and collectively. Here it is. But there came a man of God. Everything is fine until that moment. Everyone is feeling good until they hear the opposing voice. P. 
people make their case for their attitudes, for their expenditures, for their movements. People sit at restaurant tables to explain why they don't serve God or why they don't come to church and why they don't listen to preachers anymore. They make plans for their life or how they're going to live and they do so with positive reinforcements from their not-so-really Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Just because someone gave you a thumbs up doesn't mean anything in the heavenlies. You can have a thousand like buttons. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know where my position is. <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody's clapping for you, shouting for you, giving you a little balloon, showing up on your screen as if God approves. I want to tell you, the whole world can approve of you and God disapprove of you. You should not be relying upon the admonition and affirmation of somebody else, but you should be saying, God, do you want me to do it? If God says yes, then the whole world, give me Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take everybody, but give me Jesus. If God before you, who can be against you? Yes. They'll offer reasons until there's an interruption, but there came a man of God. It's the reason why a thousand people will not darken the door of a church because they don't want to hear an opposing voice. It's the reason why people reject spiritual authority. They don't want to hear an opposing voice. So they make up excuses about their lack of submission. Hear this. And present torn veils and personal walks as the reason why they don't need to consider Hebrews thirteen seventeen. You can look it up when you get home. Don't kid yourself with those vain excuses. You might convince your friends, but God knows the difference. And Messiah joined that group. He might even argue that his intentions were for the good of the country. His purpose was to win the battle, but that is never God's purpose. Uh-oh. Here lies the problem. We think that God is interested in the outcome. And the crowd goes crazy. God's purpose is for his glory. And the outcome might be adverse to you. The outcome may not look very good to you. Here's the fault line of the human experience. We are concerned with the outcome. God's concerned with his glory. Mm -hmm. Well, the man of God will leave the king smarting. From that moment. Amaziah is not pressured to reject those mercenaries from the north for no reason. He has he has been interrupted. And now he has to face the backlash of sending them away and losing 100,000 talents of silver because there are no refunds. Who would give up that much money for nothing? It makes no sense. But he did not inquire of God. He did not seek out the voice of God. He just moved with his imperfect heart. Read in your Bible. He had an imperfect heart. He hired a lot of heathen, calf-worshipping heathens from Ephraim, to which the prophet said, get rid of them, and I read it to you. 
Amaziah asked the man of God, but what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelite troops? And the man of God replied, the Lord can give you much more than that. Amaziah is using logic, and when it comes to the spiritual kingdom, human reasoning and logic will get you nowhere. I need to send a message back in time. I want to stand here and send it back in time. And I'm compelled to send one to all those who are walking in the footsteps of that imperfect king. You haven't lost anything. Hear me, everybody. When you started following God, you didn't lose anything. When you follow the voice of the Lord, you never really give up anything. When you turn your back from the world, you'll never lose anything. You always gain. No one has ever given up anything for the cause of the kingdom and been worse off than they came into it. And God has no debt on his books. (laughs) God will never owe you anything. In fact, God may have kept you from things you do not even know what he's kept you from. God's been better to you than you even know because you don't know what could have been. Not only does he give you back what you, you, you give to him in different measures, but he also blesses what you have so that those things are kept. God's a keeper and he's a healer. He's a restorer and he's a recoverer. He's everything. He has no debt on his books. He doesn't owe you anything. You didn't lose anything. I stand here to say God is able and he is willing and he will give you much more than anything you ever put in his hands. And if the object is to see the battle won, all you have to do is follow the voice. And Amaziah thought he lost 100,000 warriors, but the man of God replied, the Lord can give you much more than that. He can give you much more than that. As I stand here today, I preach to this congregation. I hope you can get the word. God can do more than what we ever imagined. All of our collective efforts, I know. We might think they are great. They are minuscule. It's just measures of obedience in the hands of God. I wish I had time to preach about it. Second Kings 19.35 There was a great army standing against the people of God. And in one night, the Lord sent just one of his multiple millions and millions and millions of angels just one and in that one night that angel took out and destroyed 185,000 men of Syria God does not need your ability he can send one angel and he can take over everything in one night everything you've been striving for he can give you everything God is able and he's willing I say to you that they that trust in the Lord shall not want any good things. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that trust in the Lord will never want. I got a word for somebody. Here, here pastor, the angels of the Lord encamp around about him that fear him and they deliver him. The angels are camping around about somebody today. Cast off your fear and your doubt. Cast off your your skepticism. The angels of the Lord are encamping around. Only one of them can wipe out everybody's problem in one night. The angels of God. He can give you more. The Lord is in the house. He's able. He's willing.
He'll give you the victory, but he won't share the glory. He'll give you the victory, but he won't share the praise. All you've got to do is say, it was God. I could not do it, but it was God. It was not me, but it was the Lord. I give glory to God. The glory belongs to the Lord. And the more glory we give him, and the more things we give him, the more praise we give him, God does more for us. He's able and he's willing. I wish somebody would clap their hands because the Lord's doing a work right now in your life. The angels are around you right now. They're in this house right now, today, right now, this moment, right now, this moment. God's willing. You got to say it. He's willing. He's willing. He's willing. He's willing. And he's able. And he's able. I want to move past money for a moment. But if I could just say this, when you put whatever you have in an envelope and put into a basket, it's the lie of the devil that would condemn you and say to you, you don't matter. That's a lie. That's the lie of the enemy. Because the enemy wants to feed upon your natural position of flesh. Because you consider your worthiness to the proportion of what you can offer. Whether that be talent or money or time or ability or insight. God never considered that. He considered the measurement of your heart and your willingness to obey. A dime in the hands of God is more than a thousand dollars. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the economy of the kingdom of God. A dime in obedience is far greater than a million in begrudging and in dispute. Oh man. We just got to settle here a little bit because I can't move past this. You thought, well, you know, I'm not, I don't have all that other ability and I, I'm, not, I'm not gifted in that area. I'll tell you what, you just give whatever you have in your area of ability in prayer. You can say, well, I, I'm not really gifted in prayer. I can't pray like some of the men and some of the ladies. That's okay. You just open up your mouth and say, Lord, I need you. Would you help them? Some folks think that they have to start praying in King James English. Before it becomes palatable to the Lord. Just want you to know, God did not speak with an E-T-H at the end of all of his words. Thou knowest, Lord. He knows all right. Because he heard you talk before you start praying. Just pray in English or the best English you have. You may not even have a good grasp on that. Just whatever you have, you offer to God. 
whatever thing you can say. In fact, when Peter started to sink into the ocean, he was walking on water. Everything was good. He looked down and saw what he was doing. He got enamored with what he was doing instead of looking at Jesus. And the moment he stopped looking at Jesus, that's the moment he began to sink. And he just prayed a simple prayer. He didn't have time for a long, drawn-out prayer born from his many years of understanding. Here's his prayer. Save me! Maybe right now, today, you need to stand up on your feet and you need to call out on God. Save me! Okay, you may be seated, but I'm, I'm getting close to finished. But think with me now. There's an argument, however so brief, the scripture is not going to expose the whole, only to say that the king argues with the nameless man of God. Whatever is said beyond the verse, we do not know. But the man of God has made the case. And now Amaziah, the imperfect-hearted leader, is debating the cost. He's talking about his loss of silver. And the prophet is telling him about the provisions of the Most High God. And Amaziah is thinking about what he's going to give up. And to that end, ultimately, the most troubling matter is that of the battle. It's the age-old question about whether God can provide for you in your most troubling moment of time. It is the query of our frailty. Moses even wondered about his own ability when he said, Who am I, God? Gideon knew he was ill-equipped. Gideon, hiding in a wine press, afraid of the enemy, fearful for his life. And he replied to the angel of the Lord, Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Our, our tribe is the lowest. My family is the lowest. And I'm the lowest of my family. No one's lower than me. If I forgo my plan, if I caught, get caught in the midst of trouble, if a bad report comes my way from a doctor, choose your dilemma, ladies and gentlemen. I will tell you, God always makes a way for you. God's greater than every problem you've ever faced. He's greater than all of your dilemmas. In fact, combine them all in this house right now. And in one day, God can send an answer and wipe them all out. But I know Amaziah. I know him. I see him in the scripture comes from a long line of doubters and second guessers. He comes from that group of Israel who forgets what the Lord has done in the past and then become bound by the issues of the present. The children of Israel ask in the wilderness, even after God had done marvelous things in the sight of their fathers, they started asking questions. Psalm 78, can you imagine? Psalm 78. They repeated it. He divided the sea. He caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. That's a wall. In the daytime, also he led them through a cloud all the night with a light of fire. That was a pillar of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. But the people questioned God after all that he had done. They question God because the nature of your human mind is bound by the five senses with which you determine the ability and logic and reason and you impose them on God. And when things are not well and we are pressed in between the promise and the problem. Oh yes. 
The psalmist will expose the people as they spake against God. Psalm 78, 19. They spake against God and they said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? The wilderness is not a place of provision or of food. The wilderness is by definition barren. It is empty, void of any life, any water, any bread. There are no meats there, grapes, figs, pomegranates. We are out here wondering. There are no rivers of streams. Can God give us water to drink? Can he provide meat for us to eat? If you if you've not read your Bible, then you would not have known the answer. The answer is this. God does not need a river to give you water to drink. All he needs is a rock he does not need flour to give you bread to eat he'll open up the heavens and pour out manna from above it'll suddenly appear on the ground every day so I am led here by the spirit of promise to all of you just to say or to someone or to many your God is able and he's willing here's my confirmation if God Sister Lacey just read this. Luke 12. Get your prayer. Get your prayer cards out. Come on, everybody. Everybody ought to have a prayer card today. If God so clothed the grass, which today, which is today in the field, and tomorrow's cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, after they ask this question, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Here's verse 20. I didn't know, but it was listed here. Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out. That's the answer. The table in the wilderness is found in verse 20. He smote the rock and there's rivers of water gushing out. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat, flesh for his people? The answer, ladies and gentlemen, is yes. The Lord is able and he's willing First Timothy 6, 8, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. God's able. He's able. He can do it. God can do it. And you ought to say it. God can do it. He can provide a table in the wilderness for you. He can provide everything you need. He knows what you need. Stand with me now. And let's finish this out. Here is the Lord and he's willing to supply your need. The question is, are you willing to offer what you have to God? Mm. Jesus, I pray right now. I pray, Lord, that you would move on the hearts of the people. You are able, Lord. I pray right now, move outside of our design and let let us see your glory. We're going to rejoice in the miracles that are on our way. We're going to rejoice in the provisions that are coming into our hands. We're going to rejoice, Lord, in our families that are going to be united in worship and praise and prayer. Lord, we are looking forward to your power and your spirit investing itself in our homes and our lives, Lord. And I pray this week, Lord, make yourself known to the people. I pray that the angels of the Most High God surround the people this week so that we know that we are covered 
and we are surrounded and we are blessed yes Jesus yes Lord yes Lord I preach this word to you today ladies and gentlemen but some of you have not received yet that God is able he's willing you're trying to compute this in your mind if the Lord can come through for you in your need or your dilemma I want you to pray for yourself that you'd be able to receive that and say it sometimes you have to say Lord I believe help my unbelief would you just confess right now to God that you are limited confess that to him that you're doing your best but when it's dark and you have no light and you're at a dead end road and you don't know what to do could you could you just say Lord sometimes I struggle but I'm going to put it in my spirit you are able and you are willing you are able you can furnish a banquet table in the wilderness when there's nothing around Lord you did not need a substance to call the worlds into existence nor did you need any substance or matter not one atom was required when you spoke the galaxies and formed the world and the stars and the ocean and the skies and wrapped it with clouds Lord you spoke something from nothing and Lord I know that you can do it right now whatever wilderness place we are when we feel there's no joy let there be a table furnished with joy and excitement when we are weak in the wilderness Lord let there be strength newfound strength Lord you can quench our thirst Lord without the water present Lord because you can bring it out of nothing Lord you can bring us meat and bread and help and sustenance and healing Lord because your word is true Lord I pray for there to be an interruption today in this house. I pray for an interruption. I pray for every plan that's been made through logic and senses. I pray for all the pragmatisms, Lord, that's taken place. All the pragmatics, Lord, that think they know the way, Lord. Let there be an interruption. And let there be a voice from some man of God or some lady of God, some anointed of God to say, The Lord can give you much more. In the name of Jesus, I pray against every heathenistic and every devil, every alliance that we would make, Lord. You are greater. You are greater. You are more powerful. You are the Lord. You are God. You're the most high God. I want every person that needs a miracle in their body, a healing in their body, a physical healing in their body. If you need a physical healing in your body, I want you to come to this front as quickly as you can and get as close as you can to the front. If you need a physical healing in your body today, the Lord is able and he's willing. I need everyone else to lift up their voices right now in the name of Jesus. You could be struggling with something internally or mentally or emotionally. You can be struggling with some kind of disease or a sickness or something you cannot identify. I stand here today to say the Lord is able and he's willing.